the pledge to the flag, and then in our school we do the pledge to the Christian flag and the pledge to the Bible as well. So we begin with the pledge to the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And to the Christian flag, I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands, one Savior crucified, risen, and coming again with life for God and for all who believe. And our pledge to the Bible, I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, and I will hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against God. I may be seated. I want to thank Joy and Mo and Mason for leading us in worship today. Very powerful. And as I will be talking about the uh, fruit of the spirit of Joy today, it's very appropriate that Joy and her family are helping to lead us in worship. And we thank Stephen as well and David for their part in leading us in worship. I, well, as, uh, as has been said today, we might be in the calm before the storm, who knows? And as we prepare to celebrate Independence Day on Tuesday, um, <clears throat> it's clear for any of us who are alert and aware that that uh, some of our freedoms have been lost, and uh, we are in the process of losing more. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. What I'm going to talk about is the joy of the Lord, because we know that He knows the end from the beginning. We know that He is always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And as we sang in that song, we depend on Him, and, and He is a good God. And I always like to say, he's not a loser. We do not have a God who's a wimp, and he is with us. Matthew 28, 20, he said, I will be with you until the end of the age. He told Abraham, when Abraham had to leave and go, he knew not where. He said, I will be with you, and I will bless you. And that's true for us as well. And as we go forward and as we celebrate this Independence Day, I have a a study that I've been doing, oh, 30-some years, and it's on the topic of, the, of joy, the fruit of the Spirit. There are many definitions of joy. It's not exactly happiness. Joy as a fruit of the Spirit, a friend of mine likes to say, it's not the absence of sorrow, but the presence of God. In most of our lives in recent years, and certainly would be true in my family, Things have happened, people have died, there have been horrible things, and 
but God is always with us. And that, that sense of knowing that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that he's always with you, that he brings good things, that's the, the idea that I'm going to talk about. And as I say, I've been studying it for a long time because when I was younger, I was not very joyful. There are people who just kind of radiate and they're, they're more or less happy and cheerful. And I'm pretty much that way these days, but I was not that way when I was younger. And when I got saved, I saw that people were just kind of magnetic, people who were saved and people who were spirit-filled. And, and I could see that they, they just had a lightness and a peace about them. And I was happy to be saved, and I was, I was enjoying life and um, knew that I would live for Jesus all the days of my life. And, and I knew that uh, he's a good God and all that. And all the wonderful things that you feel when you're first saved. But, um, but I was not a very joyful person, so I undertook a study that has continued these 30-some years since. And uh, I'm not going to give the whole story. There's a story about a preacher that uh, he was preaching on a blizzard day in one of the Plains states where they get blizzards and the, and the blizzards just shut everything down, people stay home. He didn't know if he'd have anybody in church, but uh, one farmer came, and that was all, and he had a sermon prepared, and he uh, thought he would tell the farmer what he had prepared because, he, after all, he had prepared, so he gave him the whole thing, and uh, with... Uh, whatever he had planned, and it lasted about an hour, and he got all done, and he asked the farmer, he said, well, how'd you like it? And the farmer said, well, preacher, I don't know your business, and I can't tell you how to do your job, but it's like this, I feed cows, and sometimes on a day like today, they don't all come, but when they don't all come, I don't feed them the whole load. So that's uh, not going to give the whole load. Tony has been kind enough to put some things on the screen. And as we go along, I have not seen it yet, so this will be delightful. I'm, I'm not very uh, savvy with these online things, but we'll see how it goes. First off, before that even, I have a healing testimony as well. And as with... Some healing testimonies, um, you have kind of an awakening before you get the healing. Uh, prior to two years ago, and especially a year ago, I was having some swelling in my eyes, and it looked red at times. And at times it got so bad that, that my left eye would look like it was half shut, and it was really embarrassing because I hate to admit it, but I'm kind of vain. And uh, <laughs> anyway, um, starting a year ago at different times, I, I came to some of you for, for prayer. Maybe some of you remember. I would go to the healing chairs and 
I went to the doctor also, and the doctor told me that, uh, well, basically in the vernacular, he told me I had a fat eye. <laughs> Namely, that uh, there's a fat gland in the eye, I guess. And he said, there's just too much fat trying to get through there. And um, by way of explanation, I, I used to kind of brag about my diet. I thought I was immortal. I thought I could eat anything. I bragged about my high sugar, high cholesterol, high fat, um, that kind of diet. And I loved lots of butter, lots of ice cream, lots of cheese, uh, lots of sweets, and I could more or less get away with it because I, I'm very active. And um, the doctor was very kind to me, but basically he was saying that 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 was the problem, that the, the fat gland was stuck. and So, uh, well, you, uh, when you hear news, sometimes you have a choice. You can get better or not, and I decided to get prayer over this past year. And in recent months, I also got prayer to, to finally get serious about that diet. And I did have the victory that uh, I really feel like I have been delivered from, from just wanting this insane diet of uh, high fat, high cholesterol, high sugar, ice cream, cheese, butter, just huge amounts of all that stuff. And last week I went to the eye doctor and he checked me out and I'm not even sure he's a believer but he had a, a young man working with him who checked me in and they checked my eyes a couple of times, and he turned to me and he said, we don't see this. I said, what? He said, your eyes have improved significantly over a year ago. Not only is the swelling gone, but 2040 vision, uh, uh, 2040 vision went down to 2030 vision. So, shoot, I'm just going to go for 2020 next year. But, uh, so praise God. I give God all the glory. And he is able as anything too hard for God. But, um, so as I, as I talk about the, uh, the joy of the Lord, the, the joy that appears throughout the Bible, uh, first off with creation is one instance where, as I've meditated on it and thought about it over the years, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but what fun God must have had as he flung out the galaxies and planned the various animals and, and uh, oh, just, I've thought about that, that a lot over the years, and he must have had more fun than we can possibly imagine. That's one instance where I, I find that God must have had all kinds of joy. And then he said, I think I'll make me a man, and he'll look like me. And then, well, he's lonely. I think I'll make him a companion, a woman. And as they said, uh, as it has been said, those two eventually got in trouble, but the trouble was not the apple on the tree. It was the pear on the ground that was the <laughs> trouble. And, and you can read in the Bible how, how they blamed each other and uh, they were the 
first couple to ever um, engage in the blame game. Later on, he would tell people, she ate us out of house and home. <laughs> and, he, and, uh, and she would tell people, well, he never told me not to eat that thing. And anyway, so it would go. But, uh, but there was, um, God had a plan, of course, and we know the plan was to reveal himself to his people over time, and there would be a Savior who would be coming later on. And as his people went forth, there were people like Moses. When I study people like Moses, I, I can see the, the humor and the joy of God because you can read it in the Bible when he was calling Moses to set his people free. He could have told Moses, look, here's the plan. There are going to be these seven plagues, or however many there were, I forgot. Um, and then we're going to get right down to the sea, and the whole entire Egyptian army is going to be coming after you. And then I'm going to part the waters of the Red Sea, and we're going to go into the Promised Land, and all the Egyptian army is going to get drowned. And Moses might have said, well, that sounds like a pretty good plan. I'll go with that. But what he told Moses was, you're going to lead my people, and you're going you're to talk to the Pharaoh, and you're going to persuade him to let the people go. And, and again, it's, it's in there. Moses' response was, it was in there probably because of the way a lot of us act when God asks us to do something. Uh, well, don't you have anybody else? Uh, <laughs> I can't do it. He, he, uh, he told God repeatedly, I, I can't talk to Pharaoh. And Finally, it tells that God got angry with him and said, okay, look, you can take Aaron with you, and he'll talk for you. And finally, they did. And you know the story, and um, so basically to lead his people out of slavery through the Red Sea into the Promised Land. He chose this 80-year-old tongue-tied Moses who had a murder on his resume, and you know the story. Along the way, they encountered enemies, and, and God told them to take their enemies and to take cities. And I I like all those stories. Uh, Jericho, for example, you know the story. They were to march around uh, six days in a row blowing trumpets. You can imagine how scared the army in, in Jericho was. It's told that the walls of the city of Jericho were so wide and so well fortified that you could drive a chariot on top of them. They were that tough and solid and fortified. And here's this ragtag slave army that left Egypt with the clothes on their backs and uh, they're marching around blowing trump trumpets. We're really scared. And God told them, that's all you do. And on the seventh day, you're going to blow the trumpets and you're going to give a shout. And so they did what God said. And you know the story, the walls fell down. They took the city. And, and again, I, I just think, uh, God has such a sense of humor. He, um, he had such a sense of humor with Gideon as well. Uh, Gideon, you need to cut your army down. You need to get it down. You have too many. He was going up against 10,000 of the enemy. 
And he finally got him cut down to 300. And his weapons were a clay pot, a torch, a horn, <laughs> various things. And we know that story. Amos, a fig picker who wasn't anything special, he was sent to talk to government officials at the highest level to preach social action, action sermons. And so it goes through the Old Testament that there were indications again and again that, that if people would listen to God, if they would meditate on his word, if they would do, if they would think the thoughts that he wanted them to think, things would go well for them. For example, Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Or Psalm 118, 24, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 16, 11, there's joy in the presence of the Lord. And of course, Lamentations 3, 23, his mercies are new every morning. Again and again, the people were told there is joy in the Lord. There is, there is happiness if you listen to him, if you think about him, if you do things his way. And of course, it'll be true in our time as well. And when the prophecies of Jesus coming were being told, it was God was uh, revealing the plan to save us from our sins and to save the world and and there was such excitement and joy about that. Isaiah 60, 61, and 65, for example. There is darkness in the world, but a light will shine on you and, and take away the darkness. And in Isaiah 61, we're, uh, we're told that he would bring a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and all that sort of thing. And then when Mary was told that she was going to be the mother of the Son of God, there was such joy. She had to be scared at first. And not understanding, but, but her words are recorded in Luke chapter 1, that my soul rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. <clears throat> and she goes through her great joy and excitement about being the mother of the Son of God. And Joseph himself, when he was told that he got to be the stepfather, it was uh, confusing to him. But there was, there was joy. And then when Jesus came, when he was actually born, the story that we celebrate every Christmas, it was such a simple surrounding, and yet we hear about the shepherds having the skies open up to them and the, the light show that they must have seen. We enjoy things like Fourth of July light shows and fireworks displays, and, and those are wonderful. But I think the light show that there must have been when the Son of God was born on the earth, I think it, it must have eclipsed anything we can imagine because God wasn't limited by expenses or uh, fire codes or... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was just amazing, and the, and the shepherds 
had to be truly amazed as they were called to go see. And then what a story they must have had as they lived out their lives and told everybody about what they had seen. I can just imagine all their friends and neighbors. Yeah, sure you did. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, uh-huh. Sure. But it, was, it went on like that, and Jesus began to impress people even when he was 12, asking questions and answering and saying things. Uh, the one time he got lost in the temple, and he grew up to be a, a wonderful man. I particularly myself love this what is called the joyful Christ picture. This is sometimes called the risen Christ by the sea, and I've got small copies of that for everybody. You can just come up and get one after. Um, that's how I picture him. He's not on the cross anymore. He's risen. He's alive. He's saved the world. He's, uh, he loves us. He, he's closer than your breathing or your hands and feet. He lives within us. We are, we are his body. If we believe in him, we are part of his body on earth. And I, I really do think that, that he's a very happy person, a very joyful person, and I think that's one of the main things that we have to share with non-believers. Most of us are surrounded by non-believers and people who need to hear the message. <clears throat> and when we have joy as we share the story, it's a lot more powerful. When I think about Jesus' ministry, his first sermon, for example, I don't think we have a picture of that one, but you recall the story they tried to kill him. They didn't like that he said he was the son of God and that, uh, that Isaiah 61 was fulfilled in him being there. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. He has given us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, the oil of joy for mourning, and so on and so forth. He read that from Isaiah 61 and they tried to kill him. But again, I think there was... He was God, and it, it tells he just walked right through them. I think that must have been a fun day. It wasn't time yet. In Matthew 17, when he took, uh, took Peter, James, and John up on the mountain, and he was revealed as the Son of God, and he was, um, it tells that he was, he was so bright, they just, they were down on their faces. They knew they were in the presence of God. And the voice of the Father came through and said, this is my son, listen to him. <clears throat> and um, the humor and the joy that I find in that story is, is how they were arguing on the way coming down the mountain who was going to be first at his right and left hand later on. And then how he told them, don't tell anyone. I think often Jesus had a sense of humor, and when he told them, don't tell anybody about this, 
I think that was absolutely hilarious. They were going to tell everybody as fast as they could that they had been on the mountain with God and so forth. The blind man healed. I, I find a very joyful, hilarious story. The Pharisees, the religious rulers, were trying to find a problem with it. And they went to the parents. Now, is this really your son? Was he really blind since birth? They go, yeah. Well, did that man heal him? Is that what happened? Well, go ask him. He's old enough. Talk to him because they didn't want to get nailed with any kind of accusation. So they go talk to him. And Are you the one who's blind? Well, yeah. I ought to know. And, well, did, did that person really heal you? Well, yes, he did. Do you want to become a believer too? <laughs> I just love that story. It, it goes back and forth. Matthew 4.23, I love that, that story. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. We might just kind of gloss over that. I like to think of that as something I fantasize about at times, that of going into the hospital and emptying the place. We're called to be, we're called to heal. We're not called to pray for the sick only. We're called to heal the sick. And I've always thought it would be fun if we could really live what we're called to. It's just walk in and pray over everybody and everybody would pick up their mat and go. And I think that would be so fun. At the Last Supper, it was going to get horrible the next day, and, and Jesus was trying to tell them about all that, and yet he told them that I tell you these things so that you might have joy. And then he died, and it was horrible and sad and the worst thing that had ever happened since they met him. And then he came back, and then he rose again. And what an exciting moment that must have been, and what joy there must have been on that day, on that occasion. And again, I, I don't know if this is going to hold it. Yeah, I guess it will. And uh, I, you know, I, I think that that picture only attempts to capture what he must have looked like and the joy that he felt and the joy that he brought with everyone who saw him after. It is said he was seen by some 500 before he went back to heaven. And what excitement and joy and happiness there must have been as he met with them in little groups here and there. Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit came, and the world has never been the same and Pentecost was lived out in instances like we read about in Acts 2, 42 and 43. People got together, they prayed together every day, they went to the temple together, they shared all their stuff. People were joining them because of the great um, wonders and miracles and signs that they performed. And the breaking of the bread was important as well. Isn't Tony doing a great job? Let's give him a hand. I didn't even see this till today. He did it. 
So, uh, and Paul writes some of the most joyful thoughts ever from prison, telling everybody to rejoice and be glad and to think positive thoughts. And, and then there's the story of Paul and Silas breaking out of prison in Acts 16.31. Um, they were praising and worshiping in prison, and all of a sudden the, the bars of the prison broke open and they got out, and, and then um, they were free, and, and it was just a, an incredible jailbreak. In Acts 20, I like the story about, this was a very long sermon that day, there was this guy named Eutychus, he fell asleep and fell off a window and died, the sermon was so long. I don't think we've ever had any sermon that long here. <laughs> um, reminds me of what Mark Twain said about sermons. People uh, used to ask his, his advice about churches because he, he used to defend all the churches, and although he made fun of them too. But people asked him, does, that, does all that preaching ever do you any good? And he says, well... I've never heard a sermon that didn't do me some good, although there have been some near misses, he said. <laughs> anyway, in Acts 20, this guy named Eutychus falls off and dies, and they revive him, and he comes back to life, and, and it's a very joyful occasion. And so it has been throughout the ages of the early Christians and the Christians throughout the various centuries, people like Martin Luther, uh, the various... Uh, martyrs of every age who have rejoiced in knowing Jesus even if they had to die, and even the people in our own present time. Many of us are, are aware of the voice of the martyrs and the stories they tell, the people that they honor and their stories and, and how happy they are to know the Lord and to live for Him, even if it means their life. And those of you who get the mailings, you're aware of this. One of the things that they ask for the most is uh, people in these 50-some countries where it's a, either illegal or you could die if you're a Christian, if you're caught. What they ask for is prayer. That's the most important thing they want. And so that should tell us what's most impor important about our walk with Christ The, there are, as I said, um, I've got a, a lot of material over 30-some years of study on this topic of the joy of the Lord, but I pray that um, I'm going to conclude uh, pretty shortly here, but I pray that you might, uh, that through Knowing the joy of the Lord, I pray that you might feel more confident about the future. For example, we hear in the Psalms, I called on the Lord, Psalm 34, I called on the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. There, uh, there are fearful things ahead of us in our country. And uh, someone said, if you're not afraid for our country, you don't really know what's going on, but 
we are, we are not to be fearful, pe fearful people. There is no fear in love, 1 John 4.18. And 2 Timothy 2, or 2 Timothy 1.7, we are not given a spirit of fear from God, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And as I close with my my thoughts on the joy of the Lord, I, I hope it's made you a little tiny bit more joyful. And in closing, I'd like to say a blessing. And then I'm very thankful to Joy and Mo and, and the group. They're going to do a joyful uh, song, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. And it's my all-time favorite. And they graciously said they would do that. Uh, one final thing before I conclude. I, I get a lot of my encouragement to be joyful from something called the Joyful Noise Letter. And if you're online and you ever want to look that up, it's spelled the way it sounds, the Joyful Noise Letter, J-O-Y-F-U-L-N-O-I-S-E-L-E-T-T-E-R and it's joyfulnoiseletter.com. And uh, <clears throat> it's a magazine dedicated to humor and joyfulness for 30-some years now, and they're dedicated to one mission, that we might be merry more than once a year. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, but just before we do that song, I'd like to pray a blessing over you, and then after that song, you'll be dismissed. And if anyone wants uh, prayer to be more joyful, there are prayer ministers here today, so let us know. And the small pictures of the joyful Christ are here for anybody who wants to come get one after the service. So in closing, I'd like to pray the joy of the Lord for you that may the Lord bless you with his joy and may he keep you and may he make his face to shine upon you with his joy and release your joy and may he watch over you and you're going out and you're coming in and you're lying down and then you're rising up in your labor and in your leisure and your laughter and in your tears until we all come to stand before Jesus in that day in which there is no sunset or dawning, but everlasting joy, everlasting light, for God is light. Amen. everyone stand up. We'll be, we'll make a joyful noise one more time. Well, <laughs> to continue out your day. Um. And I am so sorry, Cyril. I misunderstood that. I didn't have joyful, joyful <laughs> ready. This is the house of the Lord. So <laughs> we know this one too. We worship the God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opens the prison doors, he parted the raging sea, my God.